everyone, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Michelle Prine, and I'm here at Bay Point Church in Nokomis, Florida. We're so glad that you've decided to join us today and take a listen. We hope that we can help you out. Um, we are here with Pastor John Guiri. Hi, Pastor. How you doing? Good morning, and good morning, Bay Pointers. Yes, we are very excited today because we really have a couple of great questions this morning. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and get started with this one. Um, will people know other Christ followers in heaven, will they recognize one another? Will I recognize my fabulous grandmother who would sing horribly uh, in church in the mornings, on Sunday mornings, just to the glory of God, and I want to just be able to experience that again. Will I see her again, or my uh, voice teacher um, that was was a wonderful Christian? Will I know them? Will they know me? Yeah, this is a big question, and I really hope so. Uh, I can't wait to see my mama again mm-hmm. and, and my cousin David, who was my inspiration in the Christian faith, who died at a very uh, young age uh, due to cancer. Um, this question came up big last summer uh, in our series, our Bible study series called Heaven Ain't What You Think It Is. Um, I think the question itself is born out of Maybe this thinking that heaven is this kind of this discontinued, disruptive, um, massively different reality than the one that we're experiencing now. Um, But it's not actually, especially not what Jesus taught, especially in the model prayer where he said, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A topic that we are taking up this Sunday, by the way. But Jesus' resurrection tells us that we will have our identity in heaven and we will be identifiable. His resurrection, if you remember, um, after his resurrection, excuse me, people did in fact recognize him. Mm-hmm. Some more quickly than others. But if you remember the, the women at the tomb, the disciples later on, the Emmaus travelers, the 500 witnesses that Luke talks about in um, Acts chapter 1, recognized him, who he was, even in his resurrected state or resurrected body. Even doubting Thomas, who believed that Jesus was some sort of a ghost or disembodied spirit or apparition or maybe even an hallucination uh, realized that Jesus was his Lord and his God um, when Jesus invited him to touch his cross wounds, we call them, um, the holes in his uh, palms and in his feet. So that, that really does affirm to us that we will indeed recognize one another in our heavenly state, in our transformed, and in our glorified bodies. So what uh, will these bodies look like? I mean, will we look like ourselves? Will we know, see each other and know who we are? I mean, as far as the looks, like will we look like we did when we were young? Or what about that? How will we look? Well, I know that, that's another uh, actually complicated question. Obviously, Jesus died at 33 years old. And so when he was resurrected from the dead, mm-hmm. since they recognized him, 
presuming that he was still 33 years old and, you know, wasn't a teenager or something mm-hmm. like that or an old person either. Um, it's really it's really mysterious. Uh, we're not given a lot of that information. Um, these We do know that these transformed, uh, glorified, perfected bodies is a gift. Uh, it is a gift of salvation. I love what it says in 1 John 3, 2, that when we see him, we shall be like him. That is a reference to uh, Christ coming back in his glorified body, and we shall be like that as well. Think about it. Uh, although it's a mystery about what size, shape, age they might be, um, think about having a body that's no longer subjected to death mm-hmm. or disease. Or pain. Or pain. Um, or aging, even. Or what about sadness? And anger, things like that. Okay, you don't so have so, that either. Right, so that might be asking more about the questions of... Uh, you, Will will we be emotional beings in heaven? Oh we will. God, we will because God's an emotional person, mm-hmm. uh, and we have His emotion. The only thing, though, different is there will be no cause for true sorrow. There will be no cause for anger anymore because we'll mm-hmm. be in a perfected state in a perfect place. Um, and the Book of Revelation is very clear about that about all sin and evil being done away with and all the sorrows of the world. One of my favorite, favorite all-time passages is, is John envisions the new heavens and the new earth at the end of the book of Revelation. In Revelation 21, it says that all the former things, all the old things, all the pain, all the distress, all the discouragement, all the disappointment, all the disease, all those things will be passed away. And he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Think about that. Hallelujah. And then behold, all things will be new at at that point for us. So these glorified bodies are necessary. I like to tell people that because we'll be able to live in the unshielded presence of God. Mm. You know, if God would walk in right now or this room where we're doing this podcast, uh, we would be torched. Yeah. His body is so powerful and so holy that if we could survive the the immediate presence of God, which we can't, we'd be terrorized by his holiness, like Isaiah was when he saw the Lord uh, in a a shielded way in uh, the year that King Uzziah died in the temple. Um, But that is so amazing that our existence continues in a perfect way in a glorified body that will last for all of eternity. And as we said earlier, they will, we will have our same identity mm-hmm. and we will be identifiable um, with one another. Now, the question I think comes up, and I think you alluded to it before we um, started the podcast, is the relationships. Right. You want to ask that question? Yeah, well, I'm thinking about Will I know my husband in heaven? Will he still be my husband in heaven? Um, that's just, uh, I think that's an interesting question. Uh, will I know my son in heaven? You know, obviously Christians, but um, will he be my husband? Okay, so that's, uh, 
subject was actually taken up by Jesus in, in Matthew twenty two thirty, when he was debating, uh, I think it was with the Sadducees or the Pharisees, I don't remember offhand, about this guy who like kind of married seven times and which mm-hmm. which of his wives would be his in heaven. And that's where Jesus said, we're going to be like the angels in that there will be no marriage in heaven. Right. Okay. So, yes, you will know who your husband, your son, or I will know who my wife Lisa is. But remember what marriage is for on earth. Mm-hmm. Okay. Marriage is for uh, pleasure and procreation. Yes. The two P's I like to call it. Obviously, in heaven, God's the ultimate pleasure, relationally speaking, mm-hmm. and there will be no need for procreation. Right. Remember, procreating the species was a, a garden, what they call a, a garden of Eden um, command, you know, to replenish the earth. Uh, I think it was right after the Garden of Eden where they were given that command. We're not going to have to do that any longer, mm-hmm. um, not not in our glorified heavenly state. So, although there probably will not be an institution called marriage in heaven, mm-hmm. every relationship will be deeper. Uh, we will know each other better. Every relationship will be more pleasurable in the sense of knowing somebody and being known by somebody. Obviously, you know, with God at the center of all of that. Think about it, you know, every relationship being kind of perfect. <laughs> Amen, know. that'd be great. I know, oh. there, we won't be like kind of jealous of each other. We won't be upset with them. Like people you um, didn't really get along with, maybe. You yeah. see them and now you're... You're okay, you know? Right, because all the causative factors that cause, um, you know, strife or anger, disappointment, yeah. discouragement, yeah. all those factors will be eliminated in the new heavens and the new earth. So there'll be no cause, yeah. you know, to, to be upset and disappointed. That's going to be awesome, if you ask me. I was thinking about, like, the people that I never saw face-to-face, like my aunt. I actually never met her or saw her face to face never saw any pictures of her only heard wonderful things about her um wonderful woman of god and uh was a choir director in the church very similar to myself and so i just well i i guess i'll know who she is um when i see her in heaven that's definitely the great promise that's exciting what about um like an infant that has died uh or you know the, the well, that's, again, I, I would put that because I seldom think about, you know, what about aborted uh, children? Yeah. Um, I think, well, first of all, we know that all children are in heaven automatically. Yes. Jesus' great statement that suffer not the little ones that come unto mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So they're there. We can take great confidence and stock in that. Have they aged to a certain yeah. point? This this is what we're really not told. And I think this is more of the mysterious aspects. And I think that's actually important because in other religions, uh, there's so much detail about whatever their heaven is. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of that detail is heaven has become the great makeup of what we've never experienced on earth. Mm-hmm. 
That is mm-hmm. not the biblical idea yeah. of heaven. You know, what we do know, the greatest feature of heaven is that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit will be there and we will enjoy him forever. Mm-hmm. forever. That's the greatest, greatest part, the superior person, power, pleasure, and passion of the universe. We will be in perfect relationship with our Trinitarian God forever. That's the most exciting thing. All those other details, we're just not really given because I, I don't think uh, God wants us to idolize heaven. First of all, that will really take our uh, focus and attention off his mission and his ministry on earth, mm-hmm. you know? And um, so I, th- I think he wants us steadfastly focused on what he's called us to do here with all those rewards and all those uh, wonderments of heaven later on. Okay. What else do you have to add with that? Because I'm thinking about, what about like those that uh, are just so amazing? And I, we talked earlier, and that's I really enjoy prior to these podcasts, we get a chance to um, talk back and forth about um, just these questions. And one of them came up about, you know, like, how great my sister is my sister Jenny is like an angel and you know she's gonna be like way up above me (laughs) 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 you know that kind of thing so you you had you had touched on that a little bit and I I thought it was really interesting Um, could you share a little bit of information on that yes I I like to and I would recommend uh, a wonderful book I think probably the most detailed and definitive work right now is um, a book by Chip Ingram who writes a lot on heaven. I don't remember the title of that book right now but I I think your question goes to the rewards of heaven Mm. because a lot of people ask, uh, we we could hypothetically ask, what if you went to heaven and you saw Adolf Hitler there? Well, honestly the nature of grace and salvation is just like the thief on the cross who recognized who Jesus was and put his faith in him there. And Jesus said, this day you will be with me uh, in paradise. Um, yes, it's quite possible. There is a thing called deathbed conversions where people kind of get in. Now, obviously, God knows the heart, not just I want to avoid hell, so i got to say this simple prayer. Right. You get in heaven, God knows the heart. Quite possibly, or theoretically, if Adolf Hitler realized his wrongs, repented of his sins, said, oh my goodness, I was so misguided, I was so sinful, God, please forgive me in the name of Jesus Christ. It is conceivable that he he would be in heaven, but that's the nature of grace. Mm -hmm. And I know that doesn't make sense. However, there is a sense that God is going to mightily reward the faithful Mm -hmm. for a lifetime, if you will, of... um, uh, faith, uh, good works, uh, growing in godliness and holiness, um, spreading his word, uh, using their time, talent, and treasure wow. in such a, a, a wonderful way dedicated to his, the manifold uh, purposes of Jesus mm-hmm. Christ on earth. So there is going to be rewards doled out in heaven. I think that keeps us um, keeps us going, if you will. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like what C.S. Lewis once said about that. If we would just for a moment consider the unblushing 
I'm blessing. I love how he wrote. <laughs> nature of rewards uh, in the Bible. We would find that our desires for God and the things of God, not too strong, but too weak. We are like children who would rather make um, mud pies in a slum rather than <laughs> to enjoy a holiday at the sea. And I, I think wow. Jesus and C.S. Lewis kind of summarized it. <laughs> gave us uh, these promises of rewards so that we would stay fired up, so that we would stay fervent, not just faithful, but really, really motivated. How that all works out, what that all means in terms of a, the perfect relationships that we enjoy, that which we spoke about a moment ago, in terms of, you know, if my cousin David, because as he struggled with that brain and spinal cancer for eight long years. Uh, he never complained. He always trusted God. He always had the joy of the Lord. I think that's going to be magnificently rewarded in heaven. Yeah. I'm probably not going to get the same reward, <laughs> but is that going to cause any sense of like jealousy or whatever? No, because all those things will be taken away. Amen. Well, I know we had another question about the nature of church. Um, did you want to get into that today, or you want to move on to um, that next week? I think we can just address it really quickly. I have a good college friend um, that I've been uh, recently reconnecting with, and uh, he's done quite well, uh, according to uh, what Americans call success in terms of you know material accumulation, um, and. All the things that we think about when we think about the American dream, he's achieved it. Mm -hmm. He's really worked hard. Um, he's really, really um, done well Okay. by the standards. Mm -hmm. So the other day we were just kind of texting back and forth, and he, he said something, uh, not, not just in this last round of text, but before. He said, speaking of the church, it's like it's supposed to be a church, but it's run like a business. Mm. And I asked him to clarify that a little bit. And he says, well, sometimes the churches you've been to, it's been all about kind of the business, all about the dollars, all about the buildings, all about increasing membership and things like that. So so I just said uh, to my brother, I, I kind of said, well, because he, he defined it as a business with a higher purpose. Hmm. Okay. I guess right. uh, that's not bad, is no. it? I, I don't I think don't it's think bad. So. so I said, I generally define the church as a spiritual, voluntary organization mm -hmm. with a lot of organizational dynamics, yeah. business features. For instance, right, you have to buy stuff, mm -hmm. you have to maintain stuff, you have to build the staff. You have to have an inflow, obviously, of uh, money in order to pay for all that. Uh, you have to account for that well because it is the Lord's money. Um, you have to be smart, you know, with the organizational aspects to sustain the organization. But the higher purpose of the church is that we are a missional redemptive community. Mm -hmm. And I know sometimes that gets mixed. It, it really does. Sometimes you have to make decisions, uh, the leadership of the church does, that look very businessy, 
Mm-hmm. Like, what would be the difference if you were here or maybe at Walmart or something <laughs> like that? Um, I have seen churches thrive when the missional and redemptive purposes of Jesus Christ are paramount. They're premier. They're why you make the, I think, the uh, sub-decisions um, of the organizational things like mm-hmm. budgets and buildings and and money and those types of things. But churches that kind of get funky, if you will, or sideways, um, that don't insist upon the kingdom of God, ethics and morality, mm-hmm. I think that's when they start going sideways. Mm-hmm. Where raising tons and tons of money to build the pastor's empire. Mm. And we've seen that, unfortunately, yeah. you know, especially in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. That's where people really hold the church in contempt. Mm-hmm. So when I was uh, dialoguing a little bit back and forth with my brother on that, you know, I just wanted to know if that was what he was, he was trying to say. Mm-hmm. But he really wasn't. Um, but we know the church has suffered you know, from that as well. So we are a spiritual, voluntary uh, or a community that has the higher purpose of being missional, mm-hmm. meaning going out and bringing people to Jesus Christ, discipling them, uh, letting people know that there's redemption. No matter where they've been or where they are, Christ will forgive them and restore their lives, which is the great news and the power of the gospel. But there is that other stuff we have to administrate and we have to take care of and we have to make decisions over. I just want to make sure we understand the priorities here at Bay Point, that the priority is always the mission and the redemption of God, no matter what. That's right. And I know that you were, um, this past Sunday, you did a beautiful prayer for those that are persecuted in the church. And I really thought that that might be something just to touch on and and that we could take a little time and we could have a prayer time uh, on this podcast as well. I would love I would love to do that, and I think I did announce on Sunday that you know my my heart is really being burdened. Uh, it's really a Holy Spirit thing. Uh, always had great care and concern uh, for the persecuted church, um, in a, in not just America. It, we're seeing some oh, things, yeah. okay, but but in the world over, you know, I mean, we've heard of the recent attacks. You know, on, on churches, which are quite, quite disturbing and unsettling. First of all, we, we have to, and this is going to be hard for us to deal with because we live in such a prosperous and free and peaceful place, we have to realize that persecution is almost to be expected, even though we have not been that, in, in, or not had that yet in America, to any wide scale, um, in any wide-scale way. Jesus said, in this rodeo of persecution, he said, if they hated me, they're also going to hate you. So that's kind of like, we have to have kind of that expectation that right. as Christ followers, now, do, do we get a lot of physical persecution? Probably in America. Probably not. But listen, if we're going to stand up for Jesus Christ on some of the 
controversial moral issues and ethical issues of our day, there will be persecution. Um, you know, I try to keep up a little bit on news, and it's just amazing how you can't even offer a differing viewpoint without getting slammed primarily through social media and, yeah. and, and things like that. Could you imagine how much more? I mean, I just watched something the other night where Christians were peacefully offering uh, alternative solutions for abortion and how much they got slammed on the news and and things like that. That, I think, is really starting to be more and more often, more so than any other generation in America. But overall, the persecuted church overseas, um, I am spending more time in prayer. I want us, uh, myself personally, and also the church uh, congregationally, to really begin a ministry of care mm -hmm. uh, towards uh, the persecuted church, fulfilling what Paul said in Romans, I believe, 12, 12, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So I want to try to figure out, along with the church leadership and the congregation, how we can kind of make that one of our key ministries. Mm -hmm. How can we really minister? I subscribed uh, recently to... Um, uh, a website that gives me uh, a lot of information. It's called The Voice of Martyrs. And you, Bay Pointers can go there and get even more detailed information. But I'm going to kind of make this, you know, a real drive uh, for the ministries of this church. I just really feel that we have to help our brothers and sisters mm -hmm. who are being systematically persecuted and even eliminated in some parts of this world. We have to do something for them. So we all need to just, uh, as we have our own prayer time too, pray for those, you know, those who stand up for Christian beliefs. Um, and I think we'll just go ahead and, and end this uh, podcast with a prayer for those uh, as well. So if you wouldn't mind, Pastor John. Well, thank, thanks for bringing that up, Michelle. It'd be my pleasure too. So gracious Lord, um, we come to you. First of all, thanking you for all of the freedoms, the joys, uh, the peace, the prosperity. We have so much of that in this beautiful country called the United States of America. And we know that in many ways that those freedoms are vouchsafed in our Constitution. And we thank you for that. But Lord, we also must keep in mind that in many parts of this world that our brothers and sisters are being persecuted in terrible, horrible ways, physically persecuted. It's We know that the devil comes to rob, kill, and destroy. We know that he hates the church. Right. And God, we know that when you promised in Matthew 16 18 to build your eternal and your global church in such a way that the gates of hell will not prevail against it while the gates of hell are trying to prevail against it in many parts of the world. So I just pray, God, that you would show us, give us some wisdom and direction on how we can better minister to our brothers and sisters um, who are being imprisoned, who are being put on trial, and in some cases even being put to death because 
They believe in you. Thank you so much for their courage. It's inspiring to me. Thank you so much for their faithfulness. As being your truly martyrs, which will receive incredible reward in eternity. But God, show us how to practically help them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for listening, and we ask that you uh, pray for us, and we pray we will continue to pray for you. And just a little side note, happy Mother's Day to all those mothers out there. God bless you, and we will see you in church. Would you hold my hand If I saw you in heaven Would you help me stand If I saw you in heaven I'll find Yeah.